This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MQ1 podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe, it's everything Milton Keynes Dons. Uh, anything happened this week, boys? Um, Ross, any ideas what happened this week? Um, apart from the, the humbling we received at the weekend, I couldn't yeah, tell yeah. you, mate. Um, but I'll pass it on to Joe. Um, I met up with Ross on Friday. Uh, oh, nice. I think nice. he had about three beers and then fell asleep. Uh, not much else, though, I could, that I can recall. <laughs> that's what I thought we heard then from Ross about having four beers so but uh, okay no, whatever Joe <laughs> no of course they're being silly um, if you watched the uh, the Milky Sons award show um, we were kindly well alongside Jonathan Harry's kindly nominated fans of the year um, which is an incredible honour really um, I'm very thankful for it uh, didn't really expect it at all until we got an email in the midweek regarding a nomination um so yeah before we get into our award show we'll talk about this for a bit um for me it went a lot actually i suppose i didn't really think of it too much on the night of actually getting announced that we were fans of the year but i think over the past two days when i've been seeing like all of these players you know move back to their clubs and of course there's a news today regarding some of the players which isn't actually official yet um I don't know, I got a bit emotional about it and it kind of brought a tear to my eye. It was especially players like Ethan Laird, who obviously moved on to Man United. It was just a nice moment that we were recognised as a part of this great season with this these great amount of players. And whilst we haven't been able to see them, well, I haven't ever seen them live anyway, at least. Uh, yeah, it was a strange feeling. I couldn't have thought of anyone better to share it with than Jonathan, who has not even been great with this podcast by coming on to uh, previous episodes and also this episode, which will figure later on um yeah it was just a really nice feeling and uh with that call for everyone that nominated nominated us um and yeah hopefully we can continue to entertain you guys uh, next season and next seasons to come uh so ross take over yeah I just, I just wanted to echo what you've just said liam um i think this season will always be remembered 
obviously being Russ's first season. And it's our first season as a pod, so in a way, it's special for the whole club. Um, but first of all, I just wanted to... Um, the reason why we set up this podcast was because of um, we're three opinionated lads. Obviously, ranting on Twitter is probably not the best way forward uh, these days. Definitely um, not. So we thought we'd set up this podcast as a platform or opportunity to voice um, our views within the fan base and the feedback and support we've received the past year has been absolutely incredible and um, I, I only can speak for myself and um, it's, it's blown me away really to even have one listener come back and listen to us each week would uh, be something but to have plenty of you plenty of you easily over 100 um, each week tuning in um, listening to me ramble on about uh, MK Dons. Um, fair play, it's a tough listen, I can imagine. Um, but yeah, overall, I just wanted to thank um, obviously the club as well. So obviously they've supported us through all this, um, Callum and Anthony, all the way right through to Russ and uh, Dino coming onto the pod. And they've supported us throughout. And um, it just goes to show you... Um, what MK Dons is all about, about giving us a chance. You don't get Liam Sweet in, Ross. Oh, yeah, Liam <laughs> Sweet in as well. Sorry, my bad, Liam. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, this award is as much for all of you guys listening and, of course, the media team as it is ours. Um, of course, we wouldn't have even been nominated if it wasn't for you guys listening to the podcast and, you know, giving us feedback, etc. So, yeah, it's as much as your award as it is ours. And, um, Joe, Anything to add on what myself and Ross said? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, really grateful. And I think, you know, even if just people just sharing a post, replying to a post, um, it all helps. And it's, you know, for me, it's more about that sort of side of things than the numbers or anything like that. And I'd just like to say as well, I don't think a lot of people realise, but a lot of the work behind the scenes is Liam. He's our, our technical hub, um, so to speak. So I think, yeah, he's putting the hard yards and... Um, allowed it made it easy for me and Ross to come on and you know to share our thoughts and um yeah it's um it's been a weird year I wonder if I, I just hope our analysis doesn't go downhill a bit after we've been you know on trains to away games down in cans and uh you know four percent lager and uh and whatnot but you know well, well I'm sure we'll uh, all do our best to keep the quality up next year um and it'll be uh, good to actually do a podcast in person because we haven't actually done a podcast in person yet. Um, so, yeah, it's all been digital. And like I said, um, yeah, Liam's, Liam does the Twitter and he puts in the, the hard yards, editing out all of our gaffes and mistakes. So, um, yeah, but yeah, for those who, if you've listened, if you shared to, shared a post, thank you very much. And uh, hopefully you can stick around for a bit longer. Yeah, it's pretty mental, actually. 50 plus episodes, send them one in person, yeah. Uh, but yeah we'll make that right for sure next season that's definitely going to happen at least once probably more than that um, and yeah of course Joe you're the I don't know what it's supposed to intermediary when it comes to collaboration especially with the club um, of course you know a lot of people seem to have misconceptions of how we get you know certain people onto the podcast uh, it's not as complicated as some people think it is um, but yeah uh, thank you for thank you both gents for your time this year and um yeah, without further ado, um, let's crack on to the awards, shall we?
Hello and welcome to the first ever MK1 Awards. The 2021 season has been an unprecedented journey for everyone inside the realm of football and outside of it. Football fans were forced to watch their favourite teams and players behind their digital devices as opposed to sitting in their usual seats at the stadiums cheering on their team. The Dons themselves had a spectacular season despite the difficulties of this campaign, receiving worldwide and national recognition for their efforts whilst breaking British records in the meantime. This award show is all about giving those efforts their deserved accreditation. And speaking of that, let's begin with our first award, which is uh, Best Media Presence. My name is Jonathan Harris, and um, I represent the NKDSA, writing their previews of the matches in League One, FA Cup and the um, League Cup. Um, so the nominations for the Best Media Presence for MK Dons are Ethan Laird, um, mainly because he's got the biggest smile and he's the happiest player I think I've ever seen at MK Dons. He just exudes confidence and happiness. Uh, the Scottish wizard Scott Fraser, never afraid to say what he what he feels. Um, he was quite um, his first interview. I think that was the Portsmouth game. He was he he said it as it was, and He's not afraid to admit when he's uh, had a bad game. Um, after I think it was after the uh, yeah the Don the game after Doncaster, he he spoke up about his uh, how he was feeling, and uh, yeah, Cameron Jerome. Well, what can you say about him? He's just a he's just a big personality of himself, very confident, um, knows where the back of the net is, and is very media friendly so those are the three nominations for this award and uh, good luck to all that are nominated Ethan Laird so I think uh, Ethan Laird is the undoubted winner for the best media presence this year um, I feel personally he's He's been one of us on the pitch, I think. I think when Ethan came in in January, not many people expected him to be the bubbly sort of character that he is, maybe into his first interview. Um, but yeah, I think on and off the pitch, Ethan's been top class. And of course, his, his tweets today regarding the message he sent to the boys and the staff and his um, interaction on Twitter in general makes him more than deserving of this award. Um, so I'll pass it over to the other gents to get their thoughts on this. So Ross, best media presence for Ethan Laird. You, do you agree with that or what would you go with? I really deserved. Um, he's a bright, energetic, energetic lad um, who brings a smile to everyone's faces. And I know we've had some, we've had some, uh, some defeats this season where it hasn't gone our way and Ethan Led's still smiling. And I, f- I feel like, obviously, some footballers take, take it for granted being a footballer, but you can tell he doesn't. Um, he loves every minute of it. And as you said, Liam, um, he promised us fireworks and he's delivered. And uh, I'm, I, I really am. I'm gutted that he's gone now because of, um, I know earlier on in the season, I questioned whether he had the capabilities of being that wing back. But he's he's next level now and the lad's going to the top for sure. Yeah, definitely. He's got the right attitude for it. And of course, the talent on the pitch, Joe Asdeny and... Uh... And I'm sure he's. I'm sure you agree that he's fully deserving of this best media presence award. Yeah, I think you know best media presence, but just like probably the person I'd most like to hang out with. I think it'd be you know he just seems so much fun, and you see 
just just little clips you see from the media team, like Dean Thornton all of a sudden turning into a prime Cristiano Ronaldo and Ethan Laird running the length of the pitch to go and jump on him. And, you know, him, Ethan Laird egging on, um, you know, with the 800 shirts that Louis absolutely hated. Ethan Laird loving absolutely, minute of, absolutely every minute of it. And, you know, I'm so... It's almost bittersweet because I actually think that... I mean, I really hope that, you know, Ethan Laird, he can go on and he can challenge for that that spot at Man United. And, you know, even if he just plays cup games, he deserves to be playing for Man United. And I, he's, he's, it's so easy for a player to come from a club like Manchester United and think, come to a place like Milton Keynes and think, oh, I'm a Man United player, you know, what, what am I doing here? And thinking, you know, I'm probably on double your money and all that. No, not, not a minute. He's, he was one of the lads and I really hope he um, gets a chance and I'm sure he'll grab it. Um, I think, yeah, a couple um, as well. I think um, Warren O'Hara won um, Best Media um, from the club. And I think, um, I, I think with, uh, along with um, Ethan, he's just so mature and the way he speaks, he, you know, seems like a real leader. Um, so I think we're blessed with quite a few really good personalities at the club and, yeah, a big one is definitely going to be missed next season. Yeah, for me, Ethan's personality off the pitch, I don't think I've seen like a younger player since like Delhi's been here in terms of how he wants to play football and he really enjoys it. And he's not even our player to point out as well. And he's, I think he really embraced the club over the or six or so months he was here. So yeah, Ethan Laird, fully deserving of the Best Media Presence Award for me. And uh, the other gents agree. Okay, on to the next award and perhaps the most unique of the evening, the most likely to survive a desert island on their own. And this one was open to nomination, so you can nominate anyone from the first-team players to the first-team staff. There was actually a three-way tie for this award, so me, Joe and Ross had to sit down before recording and discuss who we wanted to give the award to. Um, and we decided to give it to... David Kasubu. Uh, so congrats, David. Uh, probably well, the, the first uh, most likely to survive there's an island on their own uh, award goes to you. Um, Ross, why do you maybe think David Kasumu got the award for this? Hint, hint, his uh, 14 yellow card this season. Um, well, this question's always going to um, be a weird one because we don't know these people on a personal level. But as you say, <laughs> Liam, uh, Kasumu's Athletic, I guess. Um, he can he can run a, a, a far on the island, I guess. Um, but I pick, I personally pick Dino. I think he'd, he he'd be an absolute character um, on that island, and I think I think he'd struggle a lot. But um, yeah, it's it's just a just a massive joke um, question. But yeah, well done to Kaz, I guess. Look, you're talking about Ross. It's a very credible award. I mean, some of the comments for David Kasumu said one of his crunching challenges will see off any dangerous animal. So that, there you go. That's that's all the accreditation you need for this award, Joe. So uh, apart from apart from that, um, Joe, why do you think uh, we, we decided on David Kasumu for this award? Oh, I think well, you said it himself. He's he's tenacious. He he can handle himself. He can get himself out of tight situations. Although I don't know how much good a, a body faint or a Cruyff turn will do you in in the. In our, on a desert island, um, but yeah, we we have, I think we had Dean Thornton and um, 
Russ just miss out. I actually voted Lee Nichols. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see anyone try and, you know, for, I, I, don't, I don't think many people would fancy their chances against him, but there you go. It was a, a democratic vote and, uh, yeah, Cass, a worthy winner, I feel. Yeah, my personal vote went to Harry Darling. Very similar reasons to yourself. Uh, quite tenacious, running out from where he does on the pitch. And I'm sure he'd be more than fine on Desert Island on his own with the uh, what play he's done into this season for the Dons. Okay, next award is uh, team performance of the season. Uh, so very strong nominees for this one. So we'll pass them over to Unison and now. Hi, I'm Martin. Uh, I used to run the uh, the MK Way blog, which now is just a Twitter account that I talk about talk a bit about Dons every now and again, make a few jokes and stuff. Uh, I also do bits and bobs with the DSA. I've done some of the match reports and stuff this year. Uh, but I'm here now to introduce the team performance of the season award. Uh, we've got four good, very good choices, all of which were games I very much enjoyed, uh, very much enjoyed listening and watching to watching to. Um, Anyway, so first up is Charlton away back in November, the 1-0 win. Um, second is Sunderland away back in October, which is the 2-1 uh, victory. Uh, Burnley away in the FA Cup and Swindon at home uh, a few weeks back. Okay, so there you go. And the winner for team performance of the season is... Charlton away um, we had disagreements about this one didn't we boys um, I believe two of us believe Charlton like, was the strongest performance and uh, someone else um, Ross maybe uh, thought it was a different performance so I'll let Ross take it away um, Ross what performance did you have as your performance of the season first of all for the team and um, why do you think Charlton maybe pipped it over the one you thought it did yeah so I, I nominated uh, Sunderland away Obviously, I think it was more the context of the victory, it, it being the first one in, uh, I believe it was 14 months. Um, so it obviously meant a lot, but I can also understand why the, whilst this uh, Charlton away victory uh, was important. Um, and it's, I'd say it's worthy of a winner. It's a 50-50 choice. Um, it's a result which meant so much for many reasons, on and off the pitch. Um, in front of, I think it was 2,500 home fans. Um, we were struggling on the results front. We had a bit patchy form. Um, and then upstep Russ Martin, Silky Whites. Um, from minute one, we ran them ragged. And uh, quite frankly, we made them look awful also, and to the point where the home fans were booing their own side. And um, it just goes to show um, how far this team's actually come. Um, I believe we had 18 shots in that game and they had one shot on target. So it just shows the dominance was there. And I felt the 1-0 scoreline flattered them, to be brutally honest. Um, but from what I remember in that game, I think I felt we saw the um, a Scotty Fraser masterclass. He was given space and he ran the show. And like many times this season, um, he got us the three points. Yeah, and I suppose there was a lot of... Um off-the-field context regarding that performance as well, wasn't there, Ross and Joe, in terms of how, you know, uh, Russ Martin's father unfortunately passed away. And, um, you know, as as Ross mentioned, you know, that, that galvanised the team and us dominating the ball and performing so well on the pitch made the the, the home child fans pretty annoyed to the fact that the points were even leaving early. And I think you could easily see why 
the, the club also gave the team performance of the season to Charlton away as well because it's got a big performance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, you look at the wins at Sunderland and Hull and they're, you know, they're probably against better teams. But in terms of, I think 10 minutes into that game against Charlton, I knew we were winning. And it was just, it was one of them where, I know it's cliche, but we wanted it more that day. And it was it was as if, you know, it's, it was like a pack of animals at times. They were pressing like I've never seen this team do. And I think it was the sort, the, you know, we've seen a few relentless performances this season, but I think this one was the one that, you know, Tuesday night, big, you know, at the Valley, fans in there, you know, fans, you know, shouting at their players to try and get the ball because they get absolutely nowhere near it. And, I've, you know, it's, I think it's an absolutely great photo of after the game, you know, Russ is just hugging his backroom staff and, yeah, brilliant. And I think as well, like, I think it just speaks testament to the, the man that I don't even think he took days off or anything like that when, you know, the news came through and uh, you could tell that that one, the, the players, they they took it on their shoulders and they, they carried it through. And, yeah, it, it was such a great game. But um, I don't know if we'd still be talking about it if Prattley actually uh, didn't hit, didn't miss an open goal in the last minute. But uh, we, we'll gloss over that. <laughs> yeah, so let's put that to the side for now. And uh, yeah, basking that one nil win at Charlton. Okay, next award is well, the first technically uh, listener award of the episode, and that is the favourite moment of the season. So I pass it over to the nomin, the person to give the nominee nominations. Uh, hi, I'm Ollie uh, from Don's Action, and here are the nominees for the best moment of the season. Uh, so we've got Luke Williams with the battered sausage after Hull City away, uh, featuring Dean Lewington, of course. Uh, you've got Russell Martin's Plan B rant, uh, rant uh, and then you've got the win uh, on our return to Plough Lane after 30 years, and then the uh, Russell Martin speech after Charlton away uh, after the loss of his father earlier in the season. Okay, so it's very, uh, so funny and some, I suppose, more serious uh, nominations for this one. Um, but ultimately, the winner is. The winning return to Plough Lane. Uh, 30 years uh, since we were first at Plough Lane um, as a club, and of course, we returned there earlier in the season and picked up a very valuable three points in a dominant performance, really. And of course, that meant a, I meant a, I meant a lot to a lot of people, really. Um, you know, we've got people part of the club now who are part of that Wimbledon SC side, um, who we came over, and of course our captain is was a prominent part of that side as well, and has been a part of the Dons ever since. So it meant a lot to everyone, didn't it, Ross? And I think it's a worthy winner at the favourite moment of the season. Percent. I remember before the game. I know uh, Derby Day is never never nice. Um, obviously nervous all emotions riding on it and uh, I think because it was the first one back up Plough Lane you're going to remember it for many years to come and I just wanted to win no matter what and um, I believe in the first half um, you could tell no one wanted to make mistakes and then at half time I think Russ and Luke Williams had a massive team talk and uh, we cruised to victory in the end and um, I think what showed um or what pleased me the most about that day was the togetherness um, with the lads. They know things weren't going their way in the first half. It was a bit um, boring as such. And then um, they started to uh, play the MK way as such and um, got three three points in the end. 
Yeah, it was quite funny, wasn't it, Joe? How uh, two boys from South uh, Southwest London got the two goals for the Dons, eh? Yeah, I mean, you know, two boys from a, uh, you know, the doorstep of uh, the area of Wimbledon, and uh, they came and they came to Milton Keynes and uh, produced the goods. And I think, um, well, when I say that, I'm still maintaining that Sorodola's should have been an off uh, an own goal, but. Well, well, we'll just brush over that. Um, okay. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think the players, they really did realise what it meant. Um, and I think, um, you know, we spoke about that first half, just thinking back, it was it, nothing much really happened, but we they, they were running around a lot. They expended a lot of energy. Second half, it was cruise control. We just turned, you know, went, went up a gear, got the two goals and saw the game out relatively comfortably. Um, I think it might have been Matt O'Reilly's first goal for the club as well um what a, you know he's really come on leaps and bounds since then and yeah just all around great day and um yeah thank you very much for the three points see you next season <laughs> yeah the only missing part was we weren't there weren't we so uh that was a shame but next season well, well according to sure. the uh according to the um the commentators from AFC Wimbledon no, no one from Milton Keynes was there <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true. Very good point. Very good point. But yeah, we'll make up for that next season, I'm sure, on our uh, bubble buses. Let's back down to our plough lane, so that'll be fun. Okay. We're on to the final three awards now, and one of the bigger ones of the evening, the goal of the season. So here are the nominees for goal of the season. Hi, it's Jack Wilson Fowler. I've uh, been on the pod uh, twice this season, and I'll be doing the nominees for the goal of the season. So the first nominee is Will Grigg against Drillingham away. The second nominee is Ben Gladwin versus Oxford away. The third one is Cameron Jerome away at Rochdale. Uh, the fourth is Andrew Sermon uh, at home to Northampton. And the fifth is Cameron Jerome at home to Plymouth. Okay, so again, another, another award with some very credible uh, nominees here. Um, but ultimately, it can only go to one goal, and that goal was... Will Grigg away to Gillingham. Uh, to be honest, lads, it really couldn't be any other goal, could it? 56 passes, uh, breaking a British record in terms of the number of passes before a goal. I believe it was like three and a half minutes in possession of the football away to Gillingham. Um, it was an incredible goal, really. Uh, some people didn't agree with that. Um, but hey, I, I think it's hard to argue against this one, isn't it, Ross, really? Definitely. And I've put in my notes here, history makers. Um, it certainly was. Um I think this was the very first moment we actually got like a larger, larger audience or media coverage from uh, the bigger outlets uh, on Twitter. Because so I'm only really on Twitter. Um, I don't really pay attention to Facebook or that. But um, yeah, and it just, as Joe said earlier, it's just a testament to what Russ and co have done since they've been uh, appointed. Um, but if you were to pick a goal, you'd have to pick this one because of that's the MK way and that's what the club's all about. And um, it's certainly one for Pep Guardiola to look at if he's trying to beat something. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose of how much Russ uh, admires Man City and Pep in particular, I'm sure he's very pleased to uh, have that on his uh, CV, I suppose, with his time, reflects his time here at the Dons. Uh, Joe, anything to add about Will Griggs' goal at Shillingham? Yeah, and I, I'm really glad, and I was pleasantly surprised actually that the um, the fans actually voted this as a goal of the season because so often it's 
who hits it the hardest from the furthest out that wins uh, these goal of the year competitions. And uh, before this, before this um, goal actually happened, I, I'd say my favourite goal from the season was, I believe it was Jerome, or no, I believe it was either, I think it was Jerome at Rochdale, where yeah. him and Fraser played like two or three one-twos. And it was just like, wow, it was so quick, so precise. And it was like three quick passes and boom, it's in the back of the net. Easy as you like, tap in from five yards out. And, you know, you look at the teams, like we mentioned, Man City. Everyone always says, oh, yeah, all they do is score tap-ins. Yeah, but look at what they have to do to get to that position where it's almost impossible to miss. And we've had a few really good goals like that this season. And um, all I can say is I, re- I hope for hope for more more in the coming uh, in the coming season. I don't mind a few 20 yarders along the way, though. I mean, Andrew Sermon, he certainly, uh, he can certainly twat a ball, that's for sure. Yeah, that Northampton goal, because it was a nominee, that was a brilliant finish on the volley, wasn't it? I'm surprised that uh, didn't get as much recognition as maybe deserved that one. Um, but yeah, Bill Griggs' goal, that was the only one really that could uh, be there, in my opinion. On to the penultimate award of the evening, and that is Young Player of the Season. So here are your nominee, nominations for Young Player of the Season. Hello everyone, I am Maya, and the nominees for Young Player of the Year are Matthew Sorinola, Harry Darling, Ethan Laird, Matt O'Reilly, Andrew Fisher, and Warren O'Hara. This award was probably the toughest of the night, I think. Uh, the, the list of nominees was really, really credited with players who I think any one of them could have won the award, quite frankly. Um, but we did come to a unanimous decision in the end, us three gents, and we gave the Young Player of the Season award to... Andrew Fisher. I think the case with Fish was, I think ultimately we wouldn't be where we are in the league if it wasn't for Fish. Now you can say that for many players in the squad, like Harry Darling, uh, I suppose Ethan Laird as well also, and all, all the candidates really. But I think with Fish coming in, he he made the most impact on the team in general and he has done since he's, since he's been introduced. Um, so I think whilst we did do our votes unanimously, I feel, I don't know, you know what each, what each other's voting for. So basically did a straw poll and we said, this is the list. And we sort of both clicked the results. Uh, so we didn't know until we actually clicked the vote button. Um, but I think the reason we came to picking fish between the three of us, or we all picked fish, was the impact he had on the team. And uh, Joe, I know, well, we're all big fish fans, but we've had to come to the defence of fish quite a bit this season, haven't we? So... I feel that it was only right that we gave him this award for Young Player of the Season for how well he's done so far this well this year. Well, yeah, as you said, you know, we we all love a bit of fish, but um, I think Dean Lewington was a bit more fond of battered sausage. Uh, but anyway, um, oh, God. <laughs> I, I think um, I, I had a little little look through the numbers, and um, yeah, of players that played more than a thousand minutes, so that's about eleven or twelve games, um, like full ninety minutes. Um, the only players that average a higher points per match. Um, than Fish are uh, Matt O'Reilly, Harry Darling, Ethan Laird, Will Grigg and Zach Jules and they all came in in January um, so I think that just shows that the, the impact as like you say that Fish has had that actually take away those first sort of eight games when he wasn't playing and you know I, it's not necessarily his goalkeeping ability in, in the sense of you know saving shots but I think he, he, he gives a, he's an assured head um, behind the back line they know that if they're in trouble they don't have to 
lump it forward. They don't have to try and dribble it out. They can. They know that they've got someone behind them that they can trust. Um, they know that. I think one thing I'm really impressed with with Fish is his command of the area, um, and I think he's just been consistent. Um, I think you know a, a player that I I think maybe would have run in close if he played a full season was Dave Kasumu. Um, but I think that Fish, you know, as you said, it was almost a turning point in our season. Um, I think he, you know, we were really kind of struggling. We don't think we had a win in seven or eight. And he came in, he's played, he's played 39 games this season. And yeah, it's, it's, he's been solid. He's, there's been moments where he's, he's saved us. You think of um, Sunderland away, um, where we really came under pressure um, the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. Um, I think back to Holloway doing Cruyff turns in a six-yard box and in the last minute. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. He may have, um, Fish may have made us, um, you know, just sort of uh, just sit back in our chairs a little bit at times. But, you know, I can count on what and the amount of actual mistakes he's made. And let's not forget, if it's a lot different for a goalkeeper. If a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's nine, nine times out of ten, it's a, you know, it's a goal for the opposition. And for the amount of risk and bravery that he shows, we've like as I said, I, I can I can't really think of more than two or something where you know you'd look at it and say, oh, you know, fish has got to do better there. So I think yeah, for, for his age, it's just remarkable. Um, and uh, yeah, I think he's just been fully consistent, and it just just raised us up a level, and he's been consistently good. So yeah, really well deserved and quite, quite an underrated sort of, you know, just just presence in the team. That's a real crucial part to to how we want to play. Yeah, and I think you make a point there. It's he's so underrated, and I feel his actual contract extension in January was so underrated as well. Um, you know, I think he, of course, I think his contract was set to was set to expire at the end of the season. Um, so, yeah, to tie him down, Ross, to at least another season, obviously we don't know the exact, exact numbers regarding the contracts, but the time down for the for next season at least is was so vital, really, wasn't it? And it was one of the best signings that January window, for sure. Yeah, it was like a whole new sign in, it, in itself. Um, I think Joe's just mentioned how, how big of a player he is for us. Um, but you've got to admire the courage um, he carries to play the way he does. And I know it's a bit of a cliche, the pitch and this and that, but those mistakes Joe's highlighted are probably down to the pitch and the, the ball's probably bobbled or or what. And for us to tell him to play the ball at his feet and um, draw players out and what people don't realise, he's drawing players out to allow Matt O'Reilly and Fraser to have the space so they can, they can do their damage in the final third. And I feel like that's such an underrated quality of his. Um, because he's so composed in what he does. Um, he's an honorary I've... right back. <laughs> well, you, you say he's behind the back line at times. He's he's alongside Harry Darwin. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I believe his outfield position, I, I, I want to say it was against Hull. Um, he was outside his box. He, he's, he's a joke. And to believe that we got him on a free is um, outrageous and he thoroughly deserves this award. Yeah, and what's more outrageous is that people are still criticising for the mistakes he makes very occasionally, um, because well, the amount the amount of sort of 
bravery he has to have to do the things he does is quite incredible, to be honest. And uh, yeah, he's fully deserving of this young player of the season award for us, 100%. I'd love to know a goalkeeper at League One or Championship level that doesn't make mistakes. Because, you know, if you're a perfect goalkeeper, with goalkeepers, it's not as if they can go and score a goal from 30 yards. They just have to do deal with what comes to them. And you think of some of the best goalkeepers in the championship, the likes of Freddie Woodman or Raya at Brentford, they make mistakes. It's it's all about just making as few as possible. And to be honest, with the high-risk football we play, I'm surprised there hasn't been more. So, yeah, I, I'm really... And with goalkeepers as well, 23 is bloody young. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to what, what's to come. 100%. OK. On to our last award of the evening and the last listener award of the evening, uh, the listeners player of the season award. Now I'm going to warn you, uh, this is a this is actually a closer than we thought. Uh, me and the lads were looking earlier in the week, and the one player in particular was running away with it. But towards the end of the week, we saw another player uh, starting to get more and more votes, so it ended up being quite a close horse race. But of course, everyone was nominated for this award. Pretty much, who played more than a thousand minutes, so of course, a long list of players actually was sorely nominated. But ultimately, uh, the winner is... Dean Lewinter, the skiffer. Um, he won the club's player of the season and he's won our player of the season. Um, it goes without saying, really, Dean Lewinter is a club legend. And the fact that this is his first player of the season award since he's... Well, since he's been at Don's, really, is a, a crime in, in most people's eyes. Uh so I'm glad that you you guys, the listeners, uh, did eventually give this accreditation. Uh, the other player for interest was Scott Fraser. I believe he got about 40% of the vote in the end. Um, but Dean Lewington had about, I think it was just over 50%. So it was very, it was very much a two-horse race between those two guys. Um, but Ross, Dean Lewington, player of the season, couldn't be much more deserved, could it really? No, it didn't. Um, I've got no words to describe that man. He just... For some reason, he just gets better and better every time I watch him. It's not very helpful on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he ages like fine wine, doesn't he? Um, he's, a, he's a class individual and uh, I really, really do hope he he's somewhat involved into the club once he retires because, because he's su- he'll be such a big loss to the club, um, not on the pitch, also off it because of obviously we don't see what he does in the change rooms, but I can imagine, um, well, we've heard from all these youngsters um, mentioning Lew- Lewington's name and how, how he's passing on his experience, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but here's a little question for you uh, listeners. Name a performance where Louis hasn't had what a blow 7.0 performance. He, he bangs out a decent performance most games. And I think some fans take that for granted. Yeah, 100%. And I think Toby Lock put it in a really nice way. I feel with all the transition we've had this season, of course, we had the, the 14 players with actions in January. It's basically about two 11s, but Louis's been the one guy there who's always been on the pitch and playing the majority of games and starting them as well. So I feel that it was very fitting for him of this season, of all seasons, to win not only our player of the season award, or the list player of the season award, but also the club's player of the season award, Joe. And uh, yeah, not just to say really is there. Yeah, I think just as you said there, I, I've been just looking, I was just looking at um, 
the minutes played by players. And there's four players that have played over 56% of our minutes, which I think shows just how mental the squad churn has been this season. We've got Warren O'Hara has played 66% of minutes available. Andy Fisher, 85. Scott Fraser, 86. And there he is, Dean Lewington, 93% of minutes played. You know, it's, it's a joke. And... It's, you know, people say, oh, but he's getting older, his pace. He never had any pace to begin with. And it's never affected him. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think, as he said, as Ross said, he's he's not, he is a, you don't get bad performances from him. You you just don't. And, you know, the, the, I think as well, what's so underrated, because I actually had him as my player of the season last year. Um, I know Reese Healy and Alex Gilby maybe got the headlines, but I thought that that Lewington was fantastic last season. And I think, you know, it's almost actually because I, I think one thing we've seen before, in the past is what a wonderful left that Louis has. And the past two seasons, Russ Martin said, you know, we're using you for your left foot. You know, he, he's, his build up play and his play from it's so, it's such a difficult skill for because a lot of people say, oh, we just play around the back and not much is going on. But you watch Lewington, he drills it into the midfield. He finds pockets of space. He takes risks. And it's such a difficult thing to do and such... I know it's a cliche, a cultured left foot, but that's exactly what he's got. And um, it's yeah, it's about time that he's, he's won this award. And I think it's, it's crazy to say that at 36 years old, he's... We, you know, have we seen a better season from Dean Lewington? And it, it's, you know, how much longer is this going to carry on for? Every every year we seem to have a conversation, how many more years is he going to go on for? So, um, yeah, well, I'm sure for the 20, 20, uh, 2031-32 season, when he's lining up for his 1,500th appearance, we'll, uh, we'll know a bit more. <laughs> 100%. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of the first ever MK1 Awards. Uh, thank you to everyone who got involved in the list of categories and has also listened to the podcast this year. Um, of course, we've got a few episodes left till the season ends. Uh, we've got our end of season special with the Gaffer Russ Martin coming out um, probably Monday, um, if you're listening to this. Um, and then, of course, our end of season review, which will go through the campaign and uh, pick out the highs and lows of what's been a spectacular season really considering the circumstances and uh we can't wait to get back to the stadium in august and i'm sure you can't either okay as always come on you dons away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Oh. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.